Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And this is Atlanta. The food, the wine, the entertainment, the lifestyle. This is Belinda Skelton's Atlanta Living. Welcome back to Atlanta Living. I'm your host, Belinda Skelton. Well, summer travel season's heating up, and there are some hot deals out there that you can share with family and friends. Joining us today to explain the secrets for earning and using travel reward is Julia Diamond. And renowned travel junkie Julia is what she's known as. Uh, She's the co-host of National Geographic's World Travel. And Julia, where are you? Is that an ocean breeze? Are you in a hurricane? Where are you? (laughs) Definitely not in a hurricane. Um, I'm actually in Miami at the Intercontinental uh, Resort. And if you could see, you would love the scene right now. I've got a turquoise pool and um, some palm trees and, as you said, the ocean breeze. So it's really beautiful. Life is so hard for a world traveler. I tell you what. Um, But you have some world travel uh, specials for us it being uh, Memorial Day weekend this uh, obviously kicks off the the summer travel season and being the expert in this you're going to give us all that we need to know to make this the most special uh, weekend that we possibly can so give us the information I mean you've traveled to 80 countries so give us what we need to know here <laughs> Okay, well, uh, you know, I want to encourage people to make the most of their summer. And one way to do that is to, uh, you know, make it a good value summer, so save money. So um, some tips that I would love to share with your listeners. The first one is to take advantage of hotel promotions um, and rewards clubs. There's some great promotions out there. So the one I want to put on your radar um, is called the Share Forever Program. Okay. And um, if you stay at um, IHG, so Inter- Intercontinental Hotels Group, okay. any of their brands, mm-hmm. um, you can earn up to 65,000 rewards points that you can then put towards a free night stay. So that's okay. an immediate free night stay there. And then um, you get an additional free night that you can share with friends or family. So that's essentially two free nights accommodation. So that's a amazing and all you have to do is sign up for their free rewards uh, program um, so you can do that at ihg.com slash forever okay and uh, so that's a really great uh, promotion and it's good for any of their properties so we're talking the intercontinental obviously where I am right now mm-hmm. holiday in uh, Crown Plaza so um, that's a first tip you know you really want to find those pr- promotions and take advantage of them okay um, the next uh, tip I'd like to talk about is really to find good value destinations. So Canada is a great one. Um, you know, Canada, right now the U.S. dollar is one U.S. dollar for 77 cents Canadian. So you're going to get a lot more bang for your buck in that particular destination. And okay. I don't know if you've been to Canada, but... I have. Vancouver, oh, you have. Okay. So, you, you know, Vancouver, uh, Toronto, these are all great cities, mm-hmm. but Montreal is one of my favorites. And this is a great alternative to Europe. 
Um, so it has that uh, a European flair, oh, but does. at a fraction of the cost. Oh, yeah. Um, have you been there? I have. And it's much cooler this time of year than down in uh, the southern states. So you get Absolutely. more you you get really a get, relief. Yeah, more bang <laughs> for your buck there, too. Yeah, Puerto Rico is also a great, uh, a good value destination. You've got rainforests and, you know, trekking and flunking. And also there's the history and the, uh, um, you know, the beautiful cobblestone streets of San Juan. So that's a destination that's really great. Um, and then also ski resorts in the summer. This is a, a way to kind of beat the crowds and, again, get good value, enjoy the outdoors, go hiking, biking instead of skiing. Um, so a few spots uh, to, to check out. Okay, so I've I've never thought about a ski resort in the summer. Is there is there as much to do or things open? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Aspen is uh, one that I've been to recently, um, and they have all kinds of food and wine festivals. Again, of course, the outdoors, uh, you're mm-hmm. not skiing, but maybe you're hiking, you're biking, you're rafting, um, and a lot of the the, the uh, restaurants, you know, will offer special deals because it's not high season. Okay. Now, you know what, you always are going to save money if you're going like a salmon upstream. Uh, so if you're going off the radar places, so if you're yinging and everybody else is yanging, um, what is the off the beaten path place to go this summer? <laughs> well, this year marks the 100th anniversary of the National Park Service. Mm-hmm. So if you want to get away from the crowds, you know, where better than, uh, you know, the wilderness. <laughs> right. Um, and a lot of the national parks, I mean, we have over 400 of them. Um, they're offering, they're waiving their entrance fees this oh, wow. year to commemorate the 100th anniversary. So that could be a great place, and um, in addition to the ones that I mentioned. And they've done such a great job, the National Park Service, of giving themselves facelifts and providing more activities that they think their customers want. So it's not the stuffy park service that you think of back when your parents were dragging you there. <laughs> Uh, I mean, there's just so much to offer if you're interested in, um, you know, but one place I recently went to was Channel Island, just mm-hmm. a little north of uh, Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and you can kayak there, and there's, um, you know, dolphins, and it's just a b- really beautiful place to kind of ditch the city and be one with nature. Okay, and if, if people want a beach, um, and so we're in Atlanta, where would you suggest... Uh, a, a, a close, great, affordable beach destination for Atlantans. Um, I mean, there's there's some great spots, but um, if I could circle back to Puerto Rico, okay. uh, you know, you've heard a lot about it in the news lately. Obviously, they're going through a bit of an economic crisis, um, which can be turned around to be good value for tourists. So okay. it's not just the rainforests and the cobblestone streets that I mentioned, but also they have some beautiful beaches. Um, and I know that, uh, you know, the Intercontinental there and some of the other brands that are located in Puerto Rico are offering some special rewards deals so you can put your rewards towards um, staying in one of those uh, hotels that, um, you know, you wouldn't necessarily have to spend as many rewards. So you can find out uh, more for their, you know, the specifics of each hotel from their website. But uh, in terms of beaches, I think that would be a great spot that also doesn't just have, you know, for people who don't want to just stay on the beach and, you know, drink Tiva Coladas, which is pretty sweet, but want that uh, additional cultural aspect, um, that's a great uh, destination that has sort of a complete package. Yeah, isn't Puerto Rico, if you divided it up into uh, four quadrants, they each have something totally different to offer in Puerto Rico? 
Absolutely. There's also the um, bioluminescent bays, which is uh, a really special place, one of the only parts in the world that you can experience that. You can kayak in a bay, and it's all illuminated. Oh, wow. Um, it's quite magical. It's like little, you know, fairy dust in the water. Now, if <laughs> There's a more in-depth scientific reason for that, but uh, I'll go the Disney route and just say it's magical fairy. <laughs> magical fairy dust in the water. Yeah. Okay. So people call you Travel Junkie Julie because, um, you know, you've traveled to... Uh, 80 countries and across the globe I mean you've been to Chernobyl I mean and tortured in uh, in prisons and you've eaten live scorpions and bugs and and everything if what is the uh, one experience in your in your travel history that kind of sticks out in your head from your National Geographic uh, explorations uh, good question. I, I would say that um, one experience that's available to everybody that's really life-changing and will just, um, you know, really touch your soul is a safari in Africa. Um, to see lions and leopards and giraffes and elephants roaming free through the, uh, the African Serengeti is really a very special experience. So I would urge, you know, any of your listeners who, who kind of want a life-changing, like, yeah. bucket list item, definitely safari, uh, South Africa, Tanzania, Kenya, any of these places. Um, that's probably my number one pick. Wow. Okay. And since Cuba is now uh, on the uh, tourism uh, buffet, have you traveled to Cuba? Um, I have. It's been a while, but it's such a special destination, sort of, um, you know, locked in time, if you will, with all the vintage cars, and obviously there's the Hemingway history, and um, if you're a photographer, it's just so colorful and, and bright, and the people are beautiful, and the music, and if you're a cigar lover, but there's just so much to offer. Um, there are now legal ways of going, you know, mm-hmm. to Cuba, and more and more, it's a real uh, hot spot. There's lots of uh, tours that are now being offered there. Um, another option is to fly through Canada or Mexico if you don't want to deal with any of the logistics. Um, lot, you know, I'm Canadian. Uh-huh. Many Canadians have been going there for, for, for years, uh, problem-free, but it's really it's a special destination, and I would urge people to go now before... Too many changes occur. That's 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 my thing. I've kind of been obsessed with going, but I want to go before there's a McDonald's on every corner. <laughs> exactly. Now, now, Julie, do you have a guidebook for traveling that that you particularly go to for tra- for your travel? Uh, my go-to travel guide is actually Lonely Planet. Okay. Uh, I find they. But they kind of they offer alternatives to the typical tourist trail. Um, they have a lot of experiences that they highlight in either online or in their in their books that um, are more cultural and connect with local people. Um, it definitely leans a little bit more budget. So if you're looking for high end, mm-hmm. um, you know maybe pick and choose what works for you. But I, I'm a fan of that particular guide. I think they uh, have a lot to offer, and online is really the best place to go for that, just because the printing industry has changed and it's hard to stay completely on top of the newest and greatest. But uh, going online and doing your research um, is, is a great way to uh, to find out what's hot. And, you know, sites like TripAdvisor, it's an oldie but a goodie. Um, and it's a, you know, you, you can find out uh, what the top attractions are, what the best restaurants are based on uh, their members and their voters doing okay. uh, reviews. So that's a site for people to check out, too, and that's obviously free. 
Okay, well, tell us again the rewards program so people can check that out and join since that is for free as well. Uh, yes, it's, people can go to their website, ihg.com slash forever, and definitely take advantage of this promotion. Um, it's from now until September 5th, and, you know, why not earn a free 65,000 points for a free night's day, plus an additional one you can give to your friends. So it's a win-win for everybody. It's the gift that keeps giving. <laughs> the <right>. longer you <laughs> stay, the more points you get. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Julia uh, Diamond with uh, the Travel Junkie from the uh, National Geographic, and she's given us the Share Forever Vacations and giving you a little tip on how to get more out of these few precious days of your Memorial Day weekend. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us. And, uh, Thank you. and enjoy that Mi- Miami breeze that's in the background. Thank you. I will. All right. Safe travels. Enjoy the Serengeti. Okay. Thank you so much. (laughs) All right. You're listening to Atlanta Living only on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Depend on it. And welcome back to Atlanta Living. I'm your host, Belinda Skelton. Nothing is more beautiful and soothing to see a beautiful bird fly down and drink water out of a bird bath. Or if you're in the great outdoors seeing birds chirping and and flying around. And I have one of the authorities on birds of the North America in the studio with me. I have David Sibley, and he's the author of many bird guides, and it is such an honor to have you sitting across from me. Uh, David, you have how many guidebooks that you have written over the years? Oh, it's... um, um, Have you lost count? You're you're running out of fingers. Um, Five, I think, and a guide to trees. And and a guide to trees. And your, your father was also a ornithologist yes my father's an ornithologist and um i guess technically i'm i didn't go to school for ornithology but i've spent my life just studying birds in the wild so so um, did you you pick up the love of birding through your father uh yeah definitely I, i well i feel like i've always been interested in birds as long as i can remember but when i was seven years old and showing an interest then there was there were bird books in the house, and I was tracing and copying pictures out of the books, and my father then seeing my interest, and I have an older brother who is also interested, so that was a great encouragement for me as well. But um, my father seeing us interested in birds could then just uh, say, hey, come along, we're going for a hike, and, and uh, introduced us to it that way. You know, it's a great hobby that you can take to any level that you wish. Yeah, yeah, it really is, and it crosses all all um, um, uh, lifestyles, social strata, and and your your real profession doesn't matter. Uh, a group of bird watchers can be a a single mom, an orthodontist, and a plumber, and having a great time just watching birds, and um, it's it's a great hobby that way. So, what made you write your first guidebook? Um, well, uh, to me, birding and drawing have always been one thing, really. <laughs> I've always drawn birds and watched them, so um, the the drawing part was something that has always been a part of 
bird study and uh, growing up as a as a birder with my father being mm-hmm. an ornithologist um on weekends we would go birding essentially all of the adults that i knew used field guides um everybody was a birder <laughs> so you would a field guide is is a book that uh would have drawings or illustrations of birds and if you see a bird you you start narrowing it down based on its features to find out what type of bird it is. Yeah, it's kind of the illustrated catalog of birds, and you sort through it to find a, a picture that matches the bird you've seen. So, as a kid, it seemed like seemed to me like um, being the author of a field guide was a perfectly normal and viable career path. The next <laughs> step for you. <laughs> well, it's just amazing at the quality of illustrations and. You did all the illustrations in your guidebooks. I did. And so these were taken from actual paintings. Yeah. Yeah, You've done. I mean, this is incredible work. (laughs) This is like masterpiece works that they've computer... uh, How did they take your your paintings and, and modify them for... The book for the book, yeah. Um, well, I do the original paintings in in a uh, gouache, which is a type of watercolor paint. So I do the original paintings on a just on a regular sheet of watercolor paper, and then um, I send all the original art to the publisher, and they have it scanned. So it it gets and it's it's the same process as anybody could do in their in their home now with a. a $99 scanner, um, except this is very expensive, very high-tech, um, real publishing scanner, but it's the same technology, essentially. So the images get scanned, and then um, there's other software that's used to assemble all the pieces to take each individual scan of each image. And there are over 7,000 individual paintings in the books. Um, so it all gets um, pasted together into a book and then printed. You have to be so technically on point with your paintings because people are identifying the birds based on your paintings, whether it has a a, a red throat, a, a white little crest, or, or what have you on the bird. Each feather is individual. Yeah, yeah, and each the, the differences between some of the species are very subtle, and capturing those differences in the paintings is really a challenge. Um, but if I don't get it just right, I certainly hear about it from <laughs> from my fans. You know, I they did go. Honest. I did go online because this uh, Sibley's Bur- uh, Sibley Birds East is the second edition of your East and West Bird Guides, and the original edition was in two thousand. 2003. 2003. And I was reading some of um, the reviews, and they were like, oh, David, um, now the map needs to include this. And (laughs) so birders are very exact people. It's no, (laughs) there's no gray. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's partly that birding is a very local um, thing. It's... um, People do it in their backyards, in their own park, and they get to know that area really well and the birds of that area really well. So everybody looks at this field guide and views it from the perspective of how does it work for the birds in my 
patch in my neighborhood, and some very specific things come up. That now, how does the Sibley Birds East book guide work for someone who's never used one of your books before? Mm. Um, uh, it's well, it's like I said, a sort of an illustrated catalog of all the birds, um, and it's a lot of species. Um, they're arranged in their family groups by by their um, relationships. So the species that are related to each other are grouped together in the book. So all the ducks are together, all the hawks are together, the woodpeckers, and those are groups that most people will know mm-hmm. by the name what what a duck looks like. Um, okay. And my advice for somebody who's just starting out, who's just gotten the book for the first time and it's their first field guide, would be to spend some time with the book at home. You'll already know ducks, um, hawks, woodpeckers, groups like that, but there are going to be a lot of unfamiliar names like vireos and warblers. And um, if you flip through the pages of the book a few times, looking at the species and paying attention to what what the different groups are, then you'll have a sort of handle, a a framework that will help when you start seeing birds in the field. Um, And one of the good exercises, if you want to get a little bit more involved in it, um, a good exercise is to go through the book with some um, um, a highlighter or a little um, sticky tabs or something Mm -hmm. and put put a dot on the species that um, occur in your area. You can use the maps in the book to see which species are likely to be in your area okay. and go through and actually mark those birds. And you can start with the ones you see in your backyard and the ones you see in your park and then broaden out to hikes and um, yeah. you can you can take it to uh, vacations and um, yep. you know birding is something you can do all over the world. Yep. Um, now, so this is Birds of the East, and you you take it from what are what are the what are you calling the East? What are the parameters? Yeah, it's um, for for birds and other um, wildlife. The the division between East and West is really the Rocky Mountains. Okay. Oh. So. Okay. Yeah, way way west. Yeah. Um, so essentially, this Eastern guide covers all of the states that are completely east of the Rocky Mountains. Okay. So if you're in Colorado, that's in the west because okay. it includes right. some of sure. the Rocky Mountains. But Kansas, Nebraska, Oklahoma are all in the east. So someone who wants to start bird watching, um, maybe what do they need to start out with as far as equipment? Do they need to go to their local sporting goods store and spend $1,000 on binoculars? What type of equipment do they need to set themselves up with to have the most enjoyment? Um, they, yeah, they definitely don't need $1,000 binoculars to start out. If, if you can afford that, definitely go for it because it will increase your, your enjoyment of the birds. Um, but you can get some really good binoculars for just $150 in that range. And binoculars are really critical to bird watching. Uh, although, it, on the most basic level, you don't even need binoculars <laughs> to watch birds. If you're looking out your window at your bird feeder or um, 
you can identify birds without binoculars. It's it's not essential, but binoculars are really the the tools of the trade, and um, you can get a decent, or, well, actually a, a very good pair of binoculars for under two hundred dollars. Um, the binoculars that you can get for a lot less than that, you'll find them for sale for thirty-five dollars. Prices like that, and and maybe for just starting out, if you want to see if you like it or not, that might work. But um, you'll uh, quickly outgrow those binoculars. Um, well, nothing is better than being in your backyard and hearing birds. Um, it's it's so relaxing. So. Um, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, I want to ask you, what are some things that, that homeowners can do to attract birds to their backyard, to have that tranquil, peaceful, and then start their bird watching from their own backyard? We're speaking with David Sibley, uh, the author of many guidebooks, but we're discussing the Sibley Birds East, and he just came out. This is the second edition, and there's also the Sibley Birds West. So you're listening to Atlanta Living only on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Depend on it back to Atlanta Living. I'm your host, Belinda Skelton. Well, if you have a love of birds or if you would start to do that, we have in the studio with us David Sibley. If you recognize that last name from the Bird Guides, the Sibley Bird Guides, we have in the studio with us David Sibley, the author of many bird guidebooks. This one we're discussing today, the Sibley Birds East. And David, we were talking earlier about how wonderful it is to step outside your front or back door and hear the sound of birds. So what should we do if we'd like to attract more birds to our backyards? Yeah, it's, and that's one of the things that makes birds and bird watching so much fun is that they, they're so mobile. They move around and they, they appear everywhere, even in, even in the middle of the city in a, oh, yeah. just a totally concrete backyard. Um, you can still attract some birds. So the things they need are, like anything, food, water, and shelter. Um, shelter to a bird is some nice, dense shrubbery, some foliage that they can hide in. Um, the small birds, they'll need to hide from passing hawks or other things. They just feel safer yeah. if they have that opportunity nearby. So if you have, the, if you're able to plant things like that, some shrubs or trees, um, that will provide cover for the birds is uh, really good and, and native plants are best and if there's um, plants that are particularly bird friendly will also provide some fruit in the fall and winter oh, great. so hollies, things like that are really excellent bird plants um, and providing food for the birds is a, also a really easy and great thing to do um, and any kind of, uh, there's lots of different styles of bird feeders, um, lots of different kinds of food that you can buy. You can experiment with different kinds, see what works in your neighborhood. Um, generally, the, um, uh, the most popular seeds are the ones with really high fat content, like sunflower seeds. News 95.5.